Mothers on the Frontline is a nonprofit organization founded by mothers of children with mental illness. We are dedicated to storytelling as a method of both children's mental health advocacy and caregiver healing. Our podcasts consist of interviews of caregivers by caregivers out in the community. This results in less polished production quality, but more intimate conversations rarely available to the public. Caregivers determine how they are introduced and the stories they share. We bring these personal experiences to you with the aim of reducing stigma, increasing understanding, and helping policymakers recognize and solve the real unmet needs of families dealing with America's current children's mental health crisis. Today we start a new format for Mothers on the Front Line called Ask the Advocate. In this series, we hear from mental health advocates about their journeys to advocacy and what it has meant for their lives. I am pleased to be speaking to Fidelia from Northern California today. Fidelia has three children, two sons with behavioral challenges, and an 11-year-old daughter with anxiety. She also experiences mental health challenges herself. Hello, tell us a bit about yourself and the kind of advocacy work that you do. Um, well, I'm a mother of three children, two grown sons, and an 11-year-old daughter. I'm a mental health advocate for Alameda County in Northern California. So how did you become an advocate? What got you involved? Um, I had to advocate for myself and before I could av- learn to advocate for my children. Um, I've been undiagnosed for most of my adult life. I got diagnosed at the age of 35 that I was bipolar. I had PTSD and I suffered from severe depression. Um, Prior to that, um, I didn't believe anything was wrong with me, but so many challenges that I had on a day-to-day basis, making good decisions, healthy decisions, um, became um, overwhelmingly uh, just non-existent. And um, I kept ending up um, with really bad results, no matter what I chose to do. Um, and I didn't understand why, and it was continuous. And, and so I started to uh, self-medicate. Pretty much just, you know, didn't know what to do. I just knew that there was nothing wrong with me. Well, um, my daughter was taken from me twice. And um, Finally, I was just like, you know, there's got to be something wrong here because it doesn't matter what I do. Nothing's working out well. I keep ending up in these terrible, you know, um, situations with, you know, not very good results. And so there's got to be something I need to talk to somebody. And so um, they came to me and told me, uh, you know, we're going to adopt your daughter out. We're not going to give you any services. I was in jail, okay, as a result of poor choices again, and um, I was like, you know what, hey, if, you know, foster care is going to be the best thing for my daughter right now, I think that's the best thing going, because right now, I need help. I can't be a good parent if I'm falling apart, and I need somebody to help me learn how to help myself. Absolutely. That's where uh, advocating came in, because I had to advocate to get my mind right, to get my life right, and in order to be a good parent, I needed to be straight. So um, I was given a um, evaluation, a psychiatric evaluation, because I requested that, 
And then I requested a therapist. They gave me a therapist. And then I started seeing a psychiatrist. Then they prescribed me medication. And once I started taking medication and talking to my therapist on a regular basis, things completely changed. I caught up with myself. I caught up with my mind. I was able to process feelings without acting out impulsively, compulsively, and it was a game changer because it was like, oh, well, I'm mad right now, but I'm not putting my fist in in a wall, you know, I'm not slashing tires or being ridiculous. And um, that's where it began for me. So I could recognize the behaviors in my children. And I'm like, hey, that's little mini me right now, undiagnosed. And then I was able to start advocating for my my sons. Um, my daughter um, had a speech delay. So I got her assessed. And had I not you know, known anything and got a little educational mental health, she wouldn't have been assessed. And so mm-hmm. she had a 40% speech delay. I was able to put her in speech therapy. Now she talks all the time. <laughs> That's um, great. But though. I'm happy for that. You know what I mean? Without that extra help, you know, okay. it, who knows how that would have turned out. Also, she suffers from anxiety. She was diagnosed with um, anxiety at the age of two because she was taken from me twice. She stayed with her grandmother, and then when I got her back, it was separation anxiety. So I couldn't get her to sleep in her own room for about a year. And I had to use the tools that I had, which was parenting magazines. I had no advocate. I had no family partner. I had none of those things that are in place nowadays. I had to do it for myself. So I spent a lot of time just... Um, trying to ask questions and getting help and you know how most people don't appreciate having CPS and an attorney and a child's attorney and the district attorney and the judge well I used all these people as my support you know what mm-hmm. I mean I needed somebody to keep the fire lit underneath me so I would never have to go through this again and so I began advocating for myself. I began completing case plans. When they wanted to close my case, I advocated, I need you to keep it open another year. I need to make sure that I am solid in my sobriety and my mental health and, and everything else so I don't ever have to see any of you people ever again, right. you know? And um, that's where it, it began for me. I started advocating, and then I just stayed advocating, and I still advocate. And now I help um, other parents whose children come into the clinic where they're seeing for behavioral and mental health challenges. I help the families, the mothers, the grandmothers, the fathers, the caregivers, the foster parents. And it's like, okay, so what challenges are you facing? Because not only is the child challenged right now, you're challenged. You're the one sitting up at night. You're the one having to call the police. You're the one not sleeping because your child's not sleeping. You know, you need self-care. Or, you know, you need help with SSI. How can I support you? That's what I do today. You know, I've had clients say, you know, I have parents who have mental health challenges as well. And, you know, they're like, I'm supposed to be taking antidepressants. And I'm like, well, why aren't you taking them? And they're like, I don't need that. You know, do you take medication? And I dig in my pocket and pull out my pills and say, yes, every day. (laughs) Chill pills at 5 o'clock. I need to act right so I can get through the day so I can model for my children how to act right. 
And then, so next thing I know, I have a client come back in a week later and say, I've been taking my pills for about a week and I feel good. I'm like, that's what's up, you know? I need you to feel good so you can get through this because this whole process is challenging, you know? And so that's what I do every day and I I, I love it. But it's from lived experience, my own lived experience, not just my child's lived experience, but mine. That must make you just a great advocate. Can you talk a bit about how, like... In, in your work, experiences that you've had, were you having lived experience? It was a game changer thing, able to help someone. So you give this great example. What about with, with working with parents helping their youth? Is that Can you give other examples? Because I think that's so powerful. To what? My lived experience? Is, to be well, able to share that with others. Oh, well, I share it with them all the time. I have no shame in what I've been through. I've been through exactly what I was meant to go through so right. I can help other people get through it. So whether it be, you know... Um, going to IEPs, I'm there to support them, and I, you know, I tell them, well, what are your concerns, you know, and then I need you to write that down so you can voice that, because your voice needs to be heard at these IEP meetings. They're not experts on your child, you are. You need to tell them what it is that you believe your child needs to get through a productive school day, not being called to come pick up your child, so helping them with like changing from a 504 plan at school or making the school district accountable for the education and special resource teachers that are supposed to be in play when their child has an episode you know so they can say call up and say hey you know what where's the resource teacher you know you can't keep sending my child home it's not getting the education and I help them through that process I help them through the process of like personal um, relationships you know I'm a survivor of domestic violence you know are you in an abusive relationship well what is it that you need to do so you can feel safe so your child isn't walking around on edge who's suffering from PTSD from witnessing witnessing this and you have PTSD we talk about all kinds of personal things because I've been through all those personal things substance abuse incarceration I've been there you know so we can run the gauntlet of what you want to talk about but I I get them to open up because I've already done it, you know, not once, not twice, but probably six or seven times mm-hmm. and still didn't get the message that I was supposed to get, you know, and so um, that's how I help in, in any area just about. And then if I don't know about it, then we're going to find out about it together, that I'm coming to your house, you're going to meet for coffee, I'm going to meet you at the school, I'm, you know, wherever, come to my office, um, I'm there to support them. They're my clients. You know, so that's how I do other advocating. You know, you said you went so many years without a diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? Yes. What kind of things are you seeing that have changed that might made it, make it more likely someone in that situation gets a diagnosis oh, okay. and gets help? Or I, this could be the case, too. What are you seeing? And you're like, darn, nothing's changed here on this issue. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. the thing that I noticed that has changed is just on uh, approach and um you know, culturally, um, different cultures and how they approach and how they deal with mental health, I'm multicultural. Yeah. And so um, the family I grew up in, it was just, you didn't do psychiatrists, you didn't take medication, right. you prayed. And you ask God to fix your mind. You ask Jesus to heal and touch your mind and, and cure you of whatever mental illness that you had. That didn't happen. So I see now that there are clinics for children. And when I was growing up, if there were some, we never heard about them. I think if I were on medication as a child, if I was diagnosed as a child, um, instead of told, you know, that, you know, I needed Jesus and, you know, I had demons and 
I probably did with a little help uh, along the mental health aspect that contributed a lot. But I think now that if I would have had that growing up, how things probably and more than likely would have been so different for me. Right. Yeah, a, a lot of different choices would have been made because my mind would have been in, in a mindset. My, my medication would have had me thinking differently. And uh, that's what I see differently now is that there's clinics and clinics and clinics for behavioral and mental health challenges for children. And when I was in school, you didn't have a school psychologist. You had a school nurse. Right. That right. was it. And that was it. So, so that's, that's a, a big positive change. That's an absolutely amazing change. I think if you can nip it in the bud or get a, not so much as nip it in the bud, but kind of get a handle on it, you know, while they're young, it makes for a different future for them that could be more positive than just letting it go and being like, oh, well, that's just Charlie or, you know, that, that's just, you know, how he is. But it's more to it. And it, it turns into something really serious as an adult. Your, your decisions and your choices and your boundaries, there are none because everything you're doing is your normal and it's just, it's not healthy. Right. I guess my next question is, what keeps you doing the advocacy work? Because quite frankly, I'm sure it gets hard sometimes, especially when you see things be voted down in terms of funding for programs or all the kinds of things that the disappointments that can go with advocacy work, what keeps you going through it? Because um, I'm good at it. Good. I'm good at it. I, I can tell. <laughs> I, don't, I don't take no for an answer. I, I just refuse to hear it. I mean, you could tell me no. <laughs> but I'm going to still keep coming at you. And then I'm going to rephrase the question in a different way. And hopefully you didn't get it. But eventually I'm going to get a yeah. Whether you're telling me yeah just to get me out of your office, that's all. I got the yeah. I'm good for it. That's right. So I keep going. And I don't, I think all parents should, once you figure out, you know, okay, this is what it is and this is my child, this is my child, I'm not taking no for an answer. No, no, that's no. Right. That's right. I just want to thank you for all that you're doing, for all the people that you're helping. It's a huge thing. And also, again, as a parent, I love to see success stories. They give us so much hope, and they give people hope who are in the middle of going through all this themselves right now. So just thank you so much for all that you're doing. You're just such a light. Uh, thank you for your time and your consideration. Thank you. You have been listening to Ask the Advocate, copyrighted in 2018 by Mothers on the Frontline. Today's podcast host was Tammy Nyden. The music is written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts in this and other series relating to children's mental health, go to mothersonthefrontline.com.